0: So women are 50% of the workforce, they're 52% of the population, they're 85% of the spending, $11 trillion last year, they own 60% of the wealth in this country, and they make 80% of the healthcare decisions. Now, if anyone wants to debate me in terms of the data, and this is this is the difference, is that we're very data-focused. As a business person, if you start looking at this data, you understand women drive economies.
1: You know how it is. Deep into a business conference, you're late for the afternoon session because your lunch meeting ran over. You think about how early you'll have to leave for the airport the next day. You wonder if you should look at your emails or settle in to focus on the program. Then you panic that you didn't pack the right shoes for tonight's dinner. And then a speaker on stage says something that whips you back to reality and you are riveted from then on that's what happened at the Global Wellness Summit Boston last December when I first heard today's guest. And it wasn't just because she looked so cool with her sleeked back white hair and round glasses. It was because she said things like this, 66% of Alzheimer's patients are women, but only 12% of the National Institute of Health's Alzheimer's research budget went to women-focused research. Then women are 50% more likely to die in the year following a heart attack than men, but only 4.5% of the NIH coronary artery disease budget went to women-focused research. Those are just a few of the realities we'll discuss today with our guest, Carol Lee Lee, founder of the Women's Health Access Matters Report, otherwise known as the WAM Report. This series of research studies that WAM commissioned the RAND Corporation to conduct is waking up the medical research community, just like Carolee's presentation in Boston woke me up. And gentlemen, if you think this episode is just for the ladies, think again. Do you have a mother, sister, wife, or daughter? How many of your employees and colleagues are women? How much of your business, both buying and selling, is female-fueled? Wait until you hear Kara Lee's backstory and why being a super successful female entrepreneur, a believer in data, and a believer in the power of a circle of female friends helped get the movement going. Oh, and find out how being a wellness junkie also helped open her mind to the possibilities. And then for a real surprise, listen for why Read My Pins was both a fashion statement and a political statement. This is Kim Marshall, co-founder of Swell the Agency for Global Wellness Conversations, inviting you to get to know Kara Lee Lee. First of all, let me welcome everybody to this edition, this episode of the Global Wellness Summit podcast. By this time, I think we will have changed our name to the Global Wellness Conversations. And how better to describe what we're about to do with quite the notable woman in the world of wellness. Let's set the stage. This year, 2022, the number six trend of the 2022 global wellness trends was closing the gender gap in research with the help of tech. So what that means is women were historically left out of clinical trials up to the 90s. Sex-specific differences, as if they even existed, weren't accounted for, Everything defaulted to a male norm, and it often resulted in terrible things like taking about four years longer to diagnose a disease for women than men, and also just saying the only problems that women really ever have is fertility and then menopause and give up, just give up, that's the end of your life. So things are changing, and we're today joined by a huge change maker in the field. Carol Lee Lee, welcome. I will talk all about your background as we talk, but welcome to the GWS or GWC podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Kim. I'm absolutely delighted to join you. Well, I saw you first at the Global Wellness Summit Boston. It was filled with Harvard doctors and all kinds of movers and shakers. What is the Wham report and what does it stand for?
0: Oh, thank you for asking because it can be confusing. So, WAM, not to be confused with the band. (laughs) W-H-A-M, <laughs> Women's Health Access Matters, uh, is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization, uh, basically working to increase awareness of and accelerate funding for women's health research and investment. Um, and it's a societal and economic issue that none of us can afford to ignore. So it's a not-for-profit that I started really very recently in July of 2018.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's just set the stage to tell people, be on the lookout. Number one, if you can see Carol Lee on YouTube when we post this, but she is a stunner and she does have that fashion statement look and Mm -hmm. a quick glance of her LinkedIn shows me that she certainly does have experience in fashion. She's on the board of DSW, but more than that, she's an entrepreneur who founded a jewelry and accessory company sold in Saks, Nordstrom's, whatever. And she ran that for 30 years. Now that is huge business that we'll talk about. But what gives you the right to talk about medicine, my friend? How does business tie in?
0: Tremendously. I'm so glad you asked. So, you know, being the founder and former CEO of a business that I started on my kitchen table and grew into a global brand, I can tell you as a business person, as a businesswoman, from experience, that women's health is an economic issue that none of us can afford to ignore. Because both as, you know, customers and employees, 85% of my workforce was women. If you take women out of the workforce and and when women were not at work, there is an economic impact. And I didn't really piece all of that together until um, probably a good 10 years after I sold my business. I was always, always interested in women's health and well-being and always had like healthy snacks and all kinds of good food in in our kitchens. But, you know, more importantly, I really cared deeply about my workforce, not only um, because they were my workforce, but because they became friends and, uh, uh, you know, we were all a large family and a large team. And there's no question that when People, when women are healthy, women drive the economy. This was the other thing that I knew and I learned uh, because having led uh, a women's business organization while I was building my company, I got to understand women drive economies. So women are 50% of the workforce. They're 52% of the population. They're 85% of the spending, $11 trillion last year. They own 60% of the wealth in this country. And they make 80% of the healthcare decisions. Now, if anyone wants to debate me in terms of the data, and this is this is the difference, is that we're very data-focused. When when you, as a business person, if you start looking at this data, you understand women drive economies. So now let's get back to how do I have the authority or even the uh, ability to talk about medicine or women's well-being? Right. Well, first of all, remember, I built that company over a 30-year period and therefore got to understand intimately well, what role women play uh, in in business and in creating um, entities of great value. But more importantly, uh, what impact does it have on their families and the economy at large if they're not at work? And then more importantly, we all have lived with issues of inequality in our lives. But it seemed to me, as I got to understand some of the data that was out there, Women were just totally uh, in, uh, not being studied in an equitable way. And nothing is more important than our health. Well, so let me ask do-
1: you this. Let me ask you this. Why would men who might be tuning into this podcast need to listen? Why should they care? Because that's, after all, their research is taken care of. So, well, but <laughs> men have wives,
0: they have mothers, and they have daughters. And, you know, they're hopefully very integrated with the women uh, in their lives, very dependent upon and interdependent upon those relationships. And they're 50% of the population, you know, 52% of the population. How, how do you ignore everyone on the other side of you? I mean, uh, we don't, and, I, the intention is not work, to ignore male research.
1: Right. And the workforce is probably 50% female too. So if they're male run companies, they care about their employees because it's all about production, right? (laughs) Totally, totally. That's exactly right. So back to the research that you've uncovered, true or false, breast cancer is the number one killer of women in the world. No, it's not. Heart disease, heart disease. that's a punch in the gut. How many people know that? But how much research is allocated to cardiovascular disease for women compared to men?
0: No, you, you, you open such a good can of worms. Um, I've been on, affiliated with breast cancer for a good portion of my life, having served on the Breast Cancer Research Foundation board since it started and uh, for 25 years served on that board. It's, very few of us understand that heart disease is the number one killer of women, Jeez. kills more women than men. Uh, One out of three women will die from um, heart disease, where one out of 31 will pass away from breast cancer. Could we say that breast cancer has done a better marketing job than heart disease? Maybe. But I think the bigger issue is that women don't think of heart disease uh, as being that number one killer because women think of it as being something that maybe affects you later in life. But that's not even the case anymore. Heart disease is affecting women at a younger and younger age. So it's just that, you know, I think a lot of this data just hasn't been put in front of men and women so that we digest it and understand what the implications are of the different
1: diseases that will affect us in our lifetime. And to make a finer point on on what we're saying, the National Institutes of Health, according to your site, allocated coronary research not down the middle of sex lines. In fact, $4 per man and 17 cents per woman. Tell us.
0: Correct. It's correct, Kim. So so what we learned, which was very, very um, as as Rand, the Rand Corporation shared with us, it was very profound, uh, the findings uh, that they came about. Um, uh, So let's just use 1274. If if we look at uh, the dollars that are allocated by NIH to studying women in specific diseases, 12% Twelve percent of NIH's budget was allocated to studying women and brain health, when sixty-six percent of the population uh, that has Alzheimer's are women, and women are disgusting. twice as likely, <laughs> And women are twice as likely to have Alzheimer's as men. And now this is why, Kim, as a business person uh, and as business people, we were so focused on doing this analytical study, so that we weren't just saying more women die of this or more women have that, but rather to be able to say to you, hey, only 12% of dollars by NIH are allocated to studying women when 66% of the population have uh, Alzheimer's. So we know that that's not a good idea. Now go to autoimmune disease, 7%. When like, just take rheumatoid arthritis, 70% of the people who have rheumatoid arthritis, are women. How do you allocate only 7%? And by the way, Rheumatoid arthritis, when you talk about corporate America, takes women out of the workforce much earlier than Alzheimer's, which might take a woman out to take care of someone
1: uh, in their family. And And that's a big deal. Do people not know that um, arthritis is an autoimmune disease? Do they not know that? No, very few people know. I mean,
0: you know, the the autoimmune diseases are so vast and 80% of the people who have autoimmune diseases are women. And and it ranges from type 1 diabetes to rheumatoid arthritis to Sjogren's. To, there's a vast, vast lupus. There's a vast number of uh, fibromyalgia of diseases that fall into that category. And um, now let's get to heart disease. 4.5% of dollars were allocated to women in heart disease. Uh, how's that possible when it's the number one killer?
1: Ugh. Okay. The thing that really people should look at on your site, whamreport.org, wham Report.org, there was a doctor, a female doctor, who talked about the X and Y chromosomes. And she said, speaking of autoimmune disease, that uh, women have double X, right? So they have twice as many uh, um, immune cells as a man. What are the implications of that? And yet they're getting all the autoimmune diseases, yet they could fly through viruses faster, we need to know so much more, don't we? We do. And that's the whole point
0: is that we know, here's what's curious, and you're hitting some of the nails right on the head. We know the data, but we don't know the reasons behind the data. We don't know the explanations. And that's what needs to be studied. Because if you look at COVID, for example, COVID affected men much more than it affected women. So if you look at autoimmune diseases where autoimmune and immune are like two sides of the same coin women clearly can fight off certain things better than men for example but like you pointed out are more prone to autoimmune diseases we know that data but we don't know why so these are areas that need great examination and great study if we're to improve everyone's lives this is not just about improving the lives of women, for example, but you can't have these kinds of inequalities and expect then societies to perform
1: at a high level. Oh my God. The other thing is brain health. I mean, the New York Times yesterday, I think it was, had an article on, yep, indeed, food can help your brain, strawberries, blueberries, walnuts, I'm cramming them in my mouth. But oh my God, when Alzheimer's hits a family, life stops. Don't you think men are affected by that? I have a friend whose wife has Louis bodies. It is devastating to everyone. So what are the disparities in research on Alzheimer's, please? Well, so um, 12%
0: of dollars allocated by NIH go to studying women when women are 66% or two thirds of the population who have Alzheimer's. And it is not because women live longer. So we don't know why this is. Again, we have the data, but no explanation. We do know that women twice women are twice as likely to get Alzheimer's as men. And you know, women over 65 are twice as likely um, to get Alzheimer's, let's say, than breast cancer. So we do know that Alzheimer's affects women much more greatly than it affects men, but we don't know why. And part of part of what we were trying to do, Kim, which you have figured out, is to bring attention to the fact that the numbers don't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. So if you look at this as an economic issue, in other words, what we tried to do was to say, what would happen if you doubled that number? So if you take, for example, the the dollars that are allocated by NIH alone for um, uh, brain health, uh, cardiovascular, and autoimmune, that, that adds up to $150 million annually. That's a small amount of money for those three diseases just to study women. By the way, heart disease, for example, is $20 million. That's a really small amount if you consider that it's the number one killer, right? $150 million is allocated between those three diseases, brain health, the study of brain disease, autoimmune, and cardiovascular. Cardiovascular alone is only $20 million. But if you take the $150 million, which is a small amount of money, and double just that pool to $300 million, you get a $13 billion return to the economy. Wow. So as a business person, or if you're sitting in Congress, tell me that, why wouldn't you want to do this? Why wouldn't you want to increase our economic well-being by
1: that amount? So let me ask you, I mean, you have so many great women. That are advocating for the Wham report. I like. I encourage everyone to look and listen to the videos. There's even a retired NIH, I guess, researcher, a doctor who said, "I'm coming out of retirement to tell you how important this is." How did you get their attention, Carol Lee?
0: You know, I seem to have the ability to um, to both convene people and attract um, w- wonderfully talented, capable, and passionate. Uh, women around this and men around this issue, might I add, it's not just women. And I think uh, when you hear as a woman, when you hear this data, you have to be moved by it because you yourself are going to be affected by one of the areas of disease that we picked to do the WAM reports uh, in. So cardiovascular, autoimmune, brain health, and the last uh, report that we'll be issuing in November is on lung cancer because oh lung cancer is, as an example, kills more women. No one knows this than all the cancers combined. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and it's non-smoking
1: women. And yet no one knows that data. What in the world, right? So you, let me just ask, there's so many things in my head to ask, but one of my great fellow podcast hosts David Stewart, who, do, who runs Aegis, you know, the publication for mm-hmm. people over 50, he said he was told that the reason it leans male in research is because uh, researchers didn't want to deal with the variability of fluctuating hormones with the mon- monthly menstrual cycle. Is that antiquated thinking or is that true? I would say
0: it's pretty antiquated, and most physicians or most scientists would say it's pretty antiquated. That was, the, that was one of the reasons that was given prior to 1993 for a variety of different reasons. But by now, that should be ancient history because, uh, let's be realistic, um, 52% of the population is female. Are we going to eliminate them because they have hormonal fluctuations or
1: have a period? <laughs> I mean, right. Really? I mean, without our periods, there would be no more men, right? Okay, we know that. (laughs) I mean, seriously, what are you thinking, right? Right. Tell us one point I don't want to gloss over or rush through is research needed for according to age and ethnicity. What sort of things have popped up about differences needed and disparity in ethnicity, age groups, whatever? What have you found?
0: So you know, it's such a great question. And when we did the report, uh, we we had to pick and choose what we could focus on. And one of the areas that we intend to come back to is intersectionality, because what we first wanted to do was create a baseline, if you will, which is what these reports are. We now want to come back and um, look at intersectionality in each of these different diseases, because, for example. Heart disease. African American women are are uh, more affected by heart disease than white women. Um, Latina women have different issues with autoimmune than white women, and it goes on. There's wow. there is a body of data out there that shows how, by a group, we're each affected. But that again, you know, what isn't out there is why. Right. So so it's one thing to identify you know we well it's one thing to identify data that's available and out there basically from NIH and other sources what we tried to do in the WAM report which i think we were pretty effective in doing is to show what would happen not only by to look at the data and quantify it but what would happen if you actually accelerated research. Could you change the outcome? And and the answer is yes. We have, at least in the micro-simulation models that uh, Rand has created, it appears that the economic results are quite significant. We were not able at the same time to look at the intersectionality because that is a much more complex um, way of studying,
1: but have every intention of going back to do that. And now a word from our sponsor. This season's sponsor is Access Corporate Group, or ACG. ACG is an innovative brand management company with offices in China, Australia, New Zealand, and the U.S., which oversees a family of online wellness and beauty brands found at vtnstore.com, as well as a marketplace of 100,000 influencers who share their knowledge and experience with the platform's 12 million users. Today, we'll be focusing on Lovekins, one of ACG's premier organic brands. Lovekins is a line of organic products for women, mothers, baby, and home using indigenous ingredients from Australia like kakadu plum, blue cypress, Tasmanian pepperberry, and Australian cotton. Join me as I chat with the founder of Lovekins, Amanda Essery, a native of Darwin Who was inspired by the local Aboriginal knowledge of plants and superfoods, as well as the many healing traditions of Indigenous culture? What does Access have to do with Lovekins and vice versa?
2: Well, I met uh, Access actually. Near the beginning when they started uh, the business and also when we were starting Lopkins as well, and um, they started distributing um, our amazing uh, mother and baby care into China, which is the most complex Asian country in the entire world. Everyone wants to enter China, but they don't realise how hard it is. And then I was scared and they were scared. I said, well, let's be scared together because if you know uh, China, and it's funny because I'm a Chinese background but I have only ever travelled there lightly and it's a culture that if you don't get it, you just don't get it. So I would leave it in the capable hands um, of Access Corporate Group. So to begin with, it was a distribution um, for our lovely products and then also a business partnering in period care. So we start and everyone starts talking about how do you stretch from baby care to woman care with period products and quite simply it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, yeah. It is a no-brainer because if you think about women in business, we talk about how lack of sleep we have. We're complaining about our husbands, our boyfriends, our, our, our grandparents, our children. You know, we're so busy consuming everything, other, you know, with other people's uh, caring about them except for ourselves. So that self-love, that self-care really, you know, was a theme that together with Access that we created the period care with um, a range of uh, natural products being pads. We have four different sizes using Australian cotton. That is the most thinnest and softest pad that you'll ever use. And uh, women really love, and that's one of the most popular popular, um,
1: products in our range. Well, while we're talking about it, let's get into the life cycle of your customer. And this will end with the lofty uh, goal of you helping people come out of period poverty. But tell me about, starts with menstruation, and then what other products, what other stages of life do you offer? I'd like to think about
2: our range as really uh, helping women and babies through the evolution um, of a woman to begin with. Because if you look at young women, when they start their period and menstruate, our pads help them with self-care and a natural alternative to period products. Because we talk about toxic shock syndrome yeah. and you know, intimate skin that is very sensitive. So we're able to help alleviate women on that period. Uh, journey, and then should they become or choose to, you know, start a family, that our uh, prenatal, uh, pregnancy, and post-pregnancy care with stretch mark creams and oils helps women with their skin. And if you think about it, that you know, skin is the largest organ on our body, and there are studies. I mean, for example, the EWG, there have been studies to talk about women's uh, umbilical cord after they gave birth. That they looked at that of how many toxins were there in the umbilical cord and they counted over 280 toxins, which is astounding because if women can actually choose an alternative way to have a a toxic-free, made-safe, you know, uh, ingredients on their skin that are actually contributing to that uh, prevention, then that really helps in, you know, later on in life. So if you want to have every opportunity Um, for a woman and themselves, and also the unborn baby to start a life for their new baby
1: and consuming a better way of living, then why wouldn't she? I mean, you're talking about organic cotton is what you make. And normally these are bleached things full of chemicals that women have to use every month for days on end, right? We're talking about natural fibers,
2: fibers, um, ingredients, you know, non-chemical products that through your entire life, accumulation, Will actually kind of, uh, you know, over time build up and we we'll talk about, you know, diseases and everything. And there is no real answer on how people get them. But if there is a way that you can start, you know, a healthier alternative lifestyle, then that's why our products are here to help. And then continuing on from, uh, you know, post-birth is babies. Baby skin is three to five times more permeable and when they lose, uh, you know, hydration and moisturization. And They've been cocooned in, you know, the mums went for so long that as soon as they come out, things like external aggressors, pollution, uh, stress, that can all alleviate to this, this baby that's very, uh, you know, young and very delicate. So that's how our baby skincare, the gentleness, can actually help um, nurture the skin.
1: And let's and face then, it, <laughs> a lot of homes use toxic chemicals to clean. They want to be so clean for the baby, and now with COVID, these terrible hand sanitizers you smell them they smell like dust. It's like pure chemical. No 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 there are other ways. so thank you for expanding out to the home. And now back to the show. So tell me are you seeing the ship turn? I mean it certainly turned toward its attention toward the WAM report because you do see it but what kind of tangible difference is Wham making and let's remind our listeners, Women's Health Access Matters. Great name.
0: Right. And it's the whamreport.org. So, you know, Wham set out to do, um, specifically um, put out three goals. Create the investigators fund, which was intended to raise money for research, which we are currently doing and have funded a number of research projects and are looking to raise more funding in order to fund more research where the Delta is highly significant and um, where women are, in fact, affected disproportionately, um, exclusively, or differentially. And again, this is not in place of uh, taking any money away or any pots of money away from what's currently allocated to men and women combined, but rather to create new dollars to bring attention and awareness and investment um, to help change some of those diseases that truly affect women uh, specifically in different ways. Such as heart disease. Heart disease is a different disease in women. Any cardiologist will tell you this than it is in men. Yet there's, you know, women still are 50 percent more likely to uh, die from a heart attack uh, after a heart attack in the first year after that heart attack. So it's like why, you know, we're not we're not treating necessarily or diagnosing uh, it appears heart disease in women as accurately as perhaps needs to be. So. So the investigators fund was meant to raise money, which is what we do. Um, And then we did two other things. The first, the second thing was to create the WAM Collaborative, which was to bring together the less than 15 institutions. Catch that one. The less than 15 institutions that fund women's health research. Now, that doesn't mean that there's only 15 institutions in the country that are that have researchers that are doing research on on women. there are not a lot of institutions that actually support that kind of research. So there are many more researchers. And we wanted to bring that group together because institutions, as you probably know, in research is very siloed. Right. And we thought if we could bring these people together, it would give more synergy to the different issues at hand. And so we now have close to 30 members of the collaborative. And they're all the leaders. Now you asked a question earlier how am i able to bring these people together you know if you make an offer to someone that it would in some way change enrich or amplify their ability to um do what they're doing i think people are interested in in that kind of an offer and so i'm waiting collaborate- please <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're invited so so the idea that we can bring together People of a similar voice who can then share their goals, their um, frustrations, their uh, their research, their their dreams. That's important.
1: That's important. I'll tell you. In my personal life, I have volunteered many hours and raised many donations for uh, a Hollywood known uh, personality, Nancy Davis. From Marvin Davis was her father. Anyway, I can't say the words Scion. S C I O N of Hollywood. Anyway, Dying. yeah, she is, uh, she suffers from MS. And when she was diagnosed 30 years ago, 25, they told her, get a wheelchair, give it up, it's all over. She's like, I, I refuse to accept that. And she started a fundraiser. And one of the very first things she did was to take the walls away from all the siloed researchers. And she didn't want to build one building. She said, because we need all the buildings together to be talking to each other. And in the 25 years or so that they've been active, nine different drugs developed. How fast would it have been Mm. without that collaboration? So kudos to you. And what's the third thing that you've done? To create the WAM
0: report, to have a data-driven compendium that was focused on being able to provide accurate data that showed the impact of accelerating research and how it would change women's lives, their families,
1: and the economy. That's a mouthful. But I think this is the perfect time to bring in the idea of access circles, because you keep talking about bringing people together. We know circles are are a way to bring people together. How did access, access circles lead or not lead you to Wham?
0: So that's a great question. So access circles was created after I sold my company, which was phenomenal to be able to do, to build. Uh, a brand from your kitchen table and uh, build it into a global brand uh, was uh, tremendously rewarding on so many levels. And when I had the great, you know, pleasure and success in selling it, it was what do you, you know, and so many women, of course, have this question of what do you do now? Yep. And of course, my kids kept saying, "Well, who are you going to be if you're not Carol really, Who are you?" <laughs> like, you know, I'll figure out something. And what I did know is that this will answer again, some of your earlier questions. I did know that I had the ability to convene people and I had a vast network of women that I had created over my uh, 25, 30 year career. And that included both my professional, my private and my not-for-profit life, which was very focused on women's health. And in the case of the BCRF, focused on breast cancer. Yeah research. So I wanted to provide, I became, you know, more passionate about women's health and also the interface between health and wealth. And wealth isn't just about how much money you might have. It's about how you're planning your life and how you're going to integrate uh, what you do in your life yeah. uh, along with it and, and its impact on your well-being. And so I decided that the first thing I decided I would do is to host a wellness conference out in Aspen. What? Don't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. what year, what year. Oh my god, that was like 15 15 probably easily 17 years ago. And so I went out to Aspen and I picked a hotel and booked a, you know, booked like 30 rooms and I thought you know, if no one comes, I'll invite my friends. And invited some incredible—again, you know—you asked me. Invited some incredible thought leaders in women's health and wellness, and they came. And I think partly because it was Aspen, <laughs> wonderful place to hike and bike so and true. do all kinds of great things. So true. And so we hosted our first uh, women's uh, wellness forum. And since then, we host at least two forums a year, one in the summer and one in the winter and bring together amazing thinkers, right? So at one of the Access Circles um, forums, and in fact, it was in Aspen in 2018, I gave in my opening comments some of the data, like up until 1993, women were not part of clinical trials up until 2016, female mice were not included. Um, And uh, some of the other data that I've given you. And I kind of watched everyone. And, you know, a few people came up to me after and said, you sure your data is right?
1: Wow. And I said,
0: yes. I said, I'm sure it's right. It came from um, Harvard and Yale, from two wonderful um, uh, institutes that focus on women's health. And, And I realized that there was a great thirst and demand for more knowledge. And that was when I decided you know, we need to do something else. And that was really how WAM was born. And then what I realized as WAM, even in the first year, um, as as we became passionate about how could we create change? How could we create impact? We brought together um, some of the leading thought leaders in women's health research and listened to them and asked them what would create a difference for them. And what we realized was that giving them a new platform or a new voice, such as the data and from an economic analysis would really change their lives. And that was when we reached out to the Rand Corporation and had them do the study. So at that point, we really felt that WAM needed its own life. And so it became its own 501c3 and, um, in order to grow into a significant, sustainable, and impactful organization.
1: Okay now let's review some of the tips for our listeners that Carol Lee follows. Look for ways when you need help that your work can help amplify what other people are doing. So you're creating win-wins, we know that. You also used your circles. You went and said, "Hey, I know some great women." I hear something else. Carol Lee, it's uh, what Deborah Zake I used to hear, she's the founder of the godmother of spas in North America. She found a Rancho La Puerta and the Golden Door. She always said to women, because she's always worked since she was a kid, um, volunteer. If you don't have a job, volunteer. You will learn. You will learn. And in your work life, you did volunteer for medical causes, right? That's what sort of opened your eyes to wellness. Totally, totally. And by the way, Deborah's a good friend, and she and I belong to a
0: women's organization together for a number of years. Uh, oh, yeah. How so about, she's should she's known. super, yeah. Yeah, she's a super, super woman. She'll be a hundred, right? This uh like in, in May. a week,
1: in a week or so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think
0: it's volunteering and I think there's another element that you're hitting on. Um, and that is ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's like none of us. Really, uh, we're all like I, I don't know. The, even the most successful women I know, it's not that we're shy. That certainly we're not. Never been accused Hey Kim, can you help me with this? I'm having a problem. I can't quite figure it out. Who can I go to? Who can I speak to? It's like we often don't ask when we have an issue or a problem. Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly all the reasons why, and it doesn't matter. But ask for help, and yet. <laughs> volunteer. And if we don't like the word for you know a volunteer, join a board, participate in a discussion, offer to host um, a lunch or whatever it might be as a means of getting involved in something that's of interest to you, because it is a way for you to express not only your interest and enthusiasm, but it is a way to engage. And wow. I think all of us need especially in today's uh, Zoom life, we're all looking to engage beyond the screen. And that's the only way that it's really going to happen.
1: And meaningful purpose, you know, passion and purpose. But I see that you and I share something very important in common, Carly. My husband might even suggest that it's a negative quality for me, but I say, look at the fun we've had because of it. And that is not taking no for an answer. Well, do you believe in that?
0: (laughs) I think this goes back to my, uh, the early days of my career of when I was trying to perhaps offer what I thought were beautiful products and someone would say, oh, I don't think that's going to work. And, you know, (sighs) the store doesn't work that way. and, And I would, you know, listen for a moment and I'd come back and say, would we consider perhaps, could I leave some of these designs with you and just see if you might sell them. And if you don't, I'll come pick them up in a week. But if you do, I can replace them. So if I took no, I would have just left. Yep. And if I try to be creative and find another solution or another way perhaps to, to offer uh, what it is that I'm trying to do, I, why would I take no for an answer? I mean, I, I think what's important is to say to someone, I understand. I hear what you're saying. Might we consider, though, and then finish the sentence. So I, I would prefer not to take no unless I really felt that there was absolutely no way. And if I felt that the person was so rigid, I wasn't going to make a, a dent. But.
1: I just always love to say no is another form of yes. That always makes me so happy. Yes, but. it is, though. And it's, it's another form, Kim, of and. I hear you. Okay, the person
0: has said, no, that's not going to work. I hear you. (laughs) But or and.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, the Access Corporate Group. Now, what about community, Amanda? Mary and Tim, when you talk about our
2: products, we also partner with a panel of experts. And um, here at Lobkins, we have Dr. Joe that's based in Melbourne. He is a gynecologist, an obstetrician, and an IVF fertility specialist, as well as uh, our resident midwife, Eliza Carr, who has just actually given birth to a, a young baby, Zadie. Aww. And um, uh, we're very proud to be you know, using medical uh, professionals and experts to actually... Um, uh, you know, work together and actually talk about, you know, mental health, talk about um, that period where that prenatal and postnatal care is so delicate and so important and also as well as, you know, parents or women that are wanting to uh, try to uh, yeah, to get pregnant. So we don't just talk about products but also educate uh, new families and new parents and how um, to, you know, not invigorate themselves, but also to live a better life.
1: That's great. Now, listen, we must include your work with period poverty. I mean, I was so stunned to read on your website that the reality that so many cultures think that menstruation is taboo. They even ostracize women for those times during the month. They have nothing, no material to use. So it's rags. Sometimes it's cow dung. Sometimes it's awful what they have to use when they're bleeding. So, what is your mission in regards to period poverty?
2: Well, uh, it's uh, conveniently last month, uh, last Sunday actually was uh, Global Menstrual Hygiene Day. And during the month of May, we have been doing this PADS drive. And Lovekins is in a very fortunate uh, position because we sell PADS, as, as we mentioned. And period poverty, quite simply, is the inability um, to access PADS or period care the inaffordability to purchase uh, period care and also the um, inappropriate way of uh, waste disposal. And if you add all those together, women that can't afford these end up using newspapers or socks and they even result to theft. We're in 2022. Like, why are we talking about this? Like, women should have the accessibility and affordability of pads. And that's why we've been in that, You know, lucrative position to be able to work with charitable organisations and be able to give. Example in Australia, we had you know flood crisis that women weren't able to get access to you know pads, and we've been doing a pads drive to help these communities. And I think just you know that whole taboo and that shame of bleeding is
1: just so. It's a global problem. And, and it's so we, natural, right? I mean, you you think babies are so cute. Everybody wants to have uh, expand their family when they do. it such a celebration. Well, how do you get there? You have to menstruate. I mean, it won't happen without it. Exactly. Right. And as part of our,
2: you know, period with the purpose, oh, sorry, period with the purpose and I bleed campaign, we talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, talking about removing the stigma of having a period no longer are we in a boardroom where there's men and women now because women are in those positions where they can have you know a career now and you don't have to leave the room with a little you know a little pouch because i've got to go change my pad or my tampon why do we need to do that so we want to open up the conversation. We want to educate people and really remove that stigma and shame. Of so that you're body saying period. you don't
1: have to sneak off and sulk out because of it. No, exactly. it's just part of being a woman that should be embraced. All right. Well, listen, there's so much we could talk to you about, Amanda. We can't tell you how much we want to come down to Darwin, tour your factories, try some of your beautiful products. But I just wanted to say, as we wrap up our chat today... Thank you so much for being an example of a woman who loves her culture, the earth and all of earth's children. Thank you, Amanda. And now back to the show. I It also lights a fire into me. And I read that. I think you spoke at a, I don't know, chamber of commerce in Connecticut or something. It's like when someone says, no, you're like, Oh yes. I, yes. I'll show you, you know, yeah. <laughs> sort of, it's sort of a game in the end. Now, because we've talked about your accessory company, and I mean, I even saw on eBay, I may be uh, ordering one of your vintage quartz watches because it was so gorgeous with like a tortoise leather uh, band and all. But I must ask you about one of my very favorite background stories I came across researching you. Uh, speaking of favorite, what does the jewelry philosophy of one of my favorite fearless females ever, the late, great Madeleine Albright Have to do with you, Carolee. Mm.
0: So Madeline, when she was at the United Nations, um, used to walk by Saks Fifth Avenue on her way home, and she uh, started to collect what at the time were called brooches or pins, Mm -hmm. and and then eventually, as the story goes. Um, She, when she became uh, Secretary of State, she obviously started wearing them as a symbol or a message uh, that she wanted to give to the person with whom she was meeting. And Madeline was quite extraordinary. And I had the wonderful opportunity to meet her because at a point of time, a number of years later, I was serving on the board of the Museum of Arts and Design. Unbelievable. And the museum um, had produced a wonderful collection and and a book called... Read My Pins. Thank you. Read My Pins. And that book uh, showed her and showed her collection um, (laughs) and showed her, obviously, photos of her meeting with Saddam Hussein or whoever with a snake or whatever message it was that she might have been sending. And so at um, a gathering at the Museum of Arts and Design, um, obviously at the opening, um, I had the chance to meet Madeline, and, um, and at other occasions. And she is beyond, obviously, charming, capable, and obviously a huge supporter and fan of women. Um, so the idea that I created uh, designs that she then went on to collect and wear As a
1: means of communication is quite extraordinary. So um, it's crazy. Like she said, George Bush used to say, "Read my lips," and she started to say, "Read my pins." (laughs) Like it would be a bee with a bee with a stinger, or red, or American flag, or whatever. And um, I think you were in charge of a museum display, right? Of her pins, weren't you on the board of the museum? I helped. I
0: wasn't really in charge, but um, we all, you know, I, uh, the museum did an incredible job of, of that, but, um, but she, she was a force and, and how great that we have museums like that, that are focused on um, art other than paintings and sculpture. There's many other forms of art and one of them is jewelry and they do have a wonderful, um, Uh, center for jewelry. So, and display area that is is ongoing. So I give them a lot of credit for that.
1: Oh, well, if anybody's interested, there's a wonderful podcast. There's only, it was only short-lived maybe a year called 70 over 70. Someone had a 70-year-old mom and was noticing how cool women and men were of that age. And so interviewed just some real leaders in, in that age group and beyond. And Madeline was one of the interviews. And it was just really delightful. So let me ask you, because we put the pieces together of someone's life that carries them on a journey to accomplish and make a difference. Well, that leads me to women are so good at multitasking ask my husband and anybody who wants to follow a woman around for a day, but what what advice would you give to entrepreneurs? You did volunteer time, but where did you draw the line? I mean, how many boards is it healthy to be on if you're a busy entrepreneur or businesswoman of any kind?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure there's a finite um, number that I would offer because I think it depends on where you are in your life and what other commitments you have. And I certainly had um, three wonderful children and a husband or two that uh, <laughs> uh, was great and loved every minute. But you know, I think that depending on what your bandwidth is and and what you can absorb, because some people literally don't require as much sleep as others, for example. yeah, and some people really you know want to have reach into many different tangents. look, I think the important thing, there is no such thing as balance, I don't believe. Um, I think you have to pick and choose. You know where and how you spend your time and feel good about it, not feel yep. stressed about it. Yep. Um, and and according to uh, one of our neuroscientists, Amishi Ja uh, down at the University of Miami, multitasking is not even possible. So the idea that women think that they can do ten things at one time—you can, you're doing them, but you're not. You're not really paying attention uh, to the other nine. So even if you're doing two, you're only paying attention to one, and so one of them really suffers. So uh, I think. Um, I I love when she talks about how it's really not possible to multitask. So I think you do have to focus completely and intently and thoughtfully on what it is that you're doing, and whether that be volunteering for a board, a not-for-profit, or spending time with your children, and or um, being involved in your business. You have to be 100% focused. You can't be In 10 different places that we now know not only is not good for your brain, it's not good for your stress level and and stress is a precursor to disease. So I think controlling it from that perspective where you feel good, you feel comfortable, you're not feeling scattered and you can be focused. I think it's up to you how much you can
1: absorb. Yeah. And you think about women like I uh, recently read, of course, Katie Couric's book. And I, she took that tragedy of losing a young husband and turned it into great work with colorectal cancer, which people didn't talk about before. Right. So that's just one example. But, you know, we are a wellness podcast and we were started the whole organization, Global Wellness Summit, from the spa industry. And Carolee, some of my research bots tell me that you are a spa junkie. So I oh think it's only, it's only right that we would include some of your favorite spa experiences from around the world. Can you give us two or three? Well, certainly Golden Door. And, and we talked about Golden Door and Rancho
0: La Puerta because, um, you know, clearly Deborah is one of my favorite people. <laughs> uh, and what she created is just, uh, let's face it, she was a, A visionary and and is a luminary in that world. Uh, And she gave us a gift of wellness and well-being and and an understanding that we would never on our own uh, have been able to develop. Um, You know, it's funny that you ask that. When Canyon Ranch first opened in Tucson, I was there the first week because that's how (laughs) much of a wellness, yeah, that's how much of a wellness junkie I was. And I, there are so many spas around the around the globe that I love, but I, I'm going to stick with Deborah and say that those are certainly two of my most favorites. Um, and thank you, Deborah. you know, for creating and being such the visionary.
1: Yeah. Listen, when I worked for She Changed My Life, I was a chubby girl from the Midwest. Uh, and I always say that my family had a habit, a hobby of sitting. You know, they'd sit in the kitchen, sit in the living room. They'd sit in the porch for some excitement. And then if it really got exciting, they went and sat at the neighbor's. So, when I met her, and it was all about proactive longevity, joyful longevity, and move and flow and chi, it changed my life. I mean, I magically went down two or three dress sizes, and I was like, what's happening to me? And it never stopped. So, I was that thin person was in there waiting. I just had to learn how to push the button right. But um, I read where you've gone to China, Thailand, where else? Bhutan, and done wellness experiences. Is that right? Yes. So I love, um, you talk about spas in Bhutan. The
0: Amman Hotels has several, oh my gosh, incredible spas. I like being out of my comfort zone. And one of the things I decided to do when, after I sold my business, was to travel to places that I had never been. So I used to manufacture in China, so I was there quite frequently. I used to partner with people in the fashion world, in Paris, Milan, london so i was there quite frequently but but never um to places that uh, when I, I when there used to be maps this is really dating me but there used to be maps before there was a you know i uh, before there was an iphone and those maps sat in the back pocket of an, of an airplane right and you would look at that map and you'd see i'd see five kingdoms bhutan was one hassan i think sakim I can't remember all the different right. little kingdoms. No, we've I all seen read. maps.
1: It's okay. <laughs> right.
0: But what is it? What's a Buddhist kingdom? You know, it's like similar to you asking me some of these questions. It's like, I want to know what a Buddhist kingdom is. And I want to understand Buddhism. And one day I really want to visit there. And that was when I did one of our first trips um, to uh, Bhutan. And oh my God, is that not like the most extraordinary place? And, and oh. Bhutan measures. Bhutan measures GDP by happiness. Yep. And it's an amazing place to hike um, and think and be without an iPhone. And Tiger's Nest, which is this incredible sanctuary at the top of a perch at the top of a rock outcropping, the hike up to that is life-changing. And I think it's important that we
1: try things like this. I think they change us. They do. They do. And that's why we love the Global Wellness Summit. It goes to so many unusual places and that you'd never really go to. I remember when I flew to Morocco, I was like, what's gonna happen to me? And it was so stunning. And I went to Mexico City, which I wouldn't have chosen. And I my husband and I loved it. But speaking of Bhutan, you must watch, or maybe you did the first time Bhutan had an Oscar nominated film. It's called Yak in the Classroom. Did you see it this year? <laughs> yes, Isn't it fabulous. wonderful? It just put in my everything you're saying, right? <laughs> so right, and well, the other
0: part about it Kim which you figured out is that wellness is different to different people in different cultures. And there's so much for us to learn about what is it what does it mean to be well in Bhutan because it's clearly not the same thing as someone living in New York City. And adapting perhaps some of their philosophies and some of their practices might be very advantageous to many of us. So I think wellness is an important, such an important part of what WAM is trying to create. Because it, in fact, the research is all based on making us well. It's, it's based on acknowledging that there are discrepancies and disparities which exist. And we need to fix those disparities in order to be well. So if women, for example, are
1: twice as likely to be to have depression, that's not a good thing. Not a good thing. It's a ripple effect that we don't need. Life is hard enough. So, Carolee, I am so inspired by your work because it just reminds me of that wonderful, it's on Amnesty International's website, Hillary Clinton said it, but women's rights are human rights and human rights are women's rights. So the right to be healthy and well is right there, and you've taken steps to make it more equitable. Just let's end by you telling our listeners, how could we help? What could we do to help WAM uh, continue to do this and search for the whys behind the stats? What can we do? Right.
0: So you can go on to, first of all, we have um, the WAMReport.org website, and there's another website that's the sister website that's called whamnow.org. And there are two things that you can do. You can make a donation to WAM, which would be phenomenal because that will help fund research, both either more research for, for the kinds of reports that we've created and or individual research uh, for different areas such as heart disease, brain health, et cetera. So the first thing is you can uh, create a donation and and you can sign up. On uh, the wham for our newsletter so that you stay in touch and, and know what we're doing. Uh, we have a lot of good things planned. We have a new website that will be launched in early June that will allow you to crowdfund different research projects that might appeal wow. to you. Uh, and that has more of a broad focus on wellness and well being. So, uh, and, and we'll also. Have different ways for you to become involved, um, and I think the other thing that you can do is on um, our sites uh, we have these wonderful infographics.
1: Have you you've seen those? Right, I have stared at those very very long time. Yes,
0: so those are on our sites. Um, we're very active on social media. You can share what we do on social media with your friends because part of this is creating greater awareness so that women know what the issues are. None of us wants to walk into a doctor's office and be told, I don't know what's wrong with you or I can't figure it out. We all want the kind of care that we believe, you know, equally uh, belongs to us as it belongs to anyone. Right. And, and most importantly, I think being aware of these discrepancies and, and becoming more of a participant is critical because the only people who are going to change this
1: are those of us who really care about it. Well, if you don't care about health of half the population, right? So maybe this will move people to open their eyes of the possibilities that, that are out there. Carolee, I love talking about your circles, and I'm so glad our circles intersected. This has really been enlightening and really shows us what the power of putting our business minds to good cause can really accomplish. So thank you for everything, and I hope to see you in Tel Aviv. Oh, absolutely. You will. And thank you for all the great
0: work that you're doing, because this will take a collection of people uh, who are all focused driving in the same, on the same bus, on the same road. It's going to take a lot of us to create a change. It won't happen just individually. So I am as equally as appreciative of what you and the Global Wellness Summit are doing. So thank you.
1: Okay. And remember, wear good accessories if we care about nothing else (laughs) no question accessorize (laughs) accessorize (laughs) thank you thank you kim it's such a pleasure to meet
0: you i hope i see you soon thank you so much
1: okay folks that's it for this episode tell me was it clear that women's health is an economic issue we can't afford to ignore Did you note that nearly every woman will eventually be affected by one of three areas of medical research, brain, cardiovascular, or immune system that WAM is funding? Did you hear how accelerating research can actually change outcomes? For the latest info and findings like the above, be sure to follow WAM, the Global Wellness Summit, and the Global Wellness Institute on LinkedIn and other social platforms. And don't forget, you can now watch our podcast on the Global Wellness Summit YouTube channel. And of course, don't forget to accessorize. Oops, but I almost did forget though. To ask you ever so politely to like and subscribe to our podcast and to remind you that new episodes of Global Wellness Conversations will be posting every two weeks. This is Kim Marshall from Swell the Agency saying... Thanks for making the time to join us today. Can't wait to get together again.